Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Hey, we're going to um, do something a little bit different today. Uh, Some of you may know that we've started our series on the book of James, uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, But today we're just going to be hearing from... uh, uh, a few voices, and uh, so some fresh voices, and uh, you know these people don't speak regularly at church, so be encouraging to them, and uh, but also just have your ears and your heart tuned to what God may speak to you uh, through them. Sound good? All right, so first I'm going to invite up the lovely Belinda, and why don't you welcome her as she comes up. Yoda, how's everyone today? Good. Some happy smiles. That's nice to see. Um, when Matt asked if I wanted to share any insights into this passage, I said, oh, I'll go pray about it. And um, as I read the passage, I cracked up because I feel like the least qualified person to talk about this. <laughs> um, the, the very first verse of the passage is, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, if any of you know me, I am not slow to speak. (laughs) I'm very quick to speak. I even have a degree in speaking. So (laughs) um, my grandmother used to always say to me, Belinda, you don't need to fill in all the gaps. (laughs) So still haven't quite taken on board that lovely piece of wisdom. But anyway, I was reading this. I was like, God, I can't talk about this. I'm just, this is the opposite of me. And he was like, I felt like he said, Exactly. (laughs) So here I am talking about something that I'm not very qualified to do. However, as I keep reading through the passage, it starts to feel like this checklist. It's like a checklist of doom for me. I just keep failing all the points. It says, um, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm like, oh, well, I'm pretty slow to anger, aren't I? And then I felt him remind me, what about the other day when that Toyota Corolla zoomed in front of you? Hey! Okay, another fail. (laughs) Then he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I don't know how many of you are mums, but I don't really want to remember what's in the mirror most days, (laughs) let alone the mum brain where it's like, wait, what what just happened? So another for Belinda. So next, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I'm like, aha, there's a lifeline here. There might be a little cheat sheet to this checklist that I'm failing. What is this perfect law? And he actually goes on in chapter 2, just open up my my notes here, goes on in chapter 2 to say, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Okay, so this is the law. And Jesus, actually, back in Matthew, let me flip to Matthew 22, 37, sums up the entire law, saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So it's obviously a pretty big deal. Um, even in First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So suddenly in this light, it's less of a checklist and more of a how-to, if you will. It's, it, changes, it changes from, oh, I feel like a failure, to, oh, actually, I can do this. I can love people. We can love people. That's, that's what we're called to do, right? So if you love your God and love your neighbor, suddenly it's easier to listen, to stop and listen to what someone's saying because you love them. It's easier to be slow to, to sl- be slow to speak, it's easier to speak slowly (laughs) and wait and listen to what people have to say because you love them. It's easier to be slow to anger because you love someone, right? So it's less of a checklist and more of a how-to. Hey guys, this is how we can love one another. This is how we can, you know, bring Christ's love here on earth. Um, and I just love, I love the verse that perfect love casts out all fear. I just love that. It casts out fear. It casts out fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being controlled. Just all that fear. Love casts it out. We don't need to worry about that. We, our calling is to love God and love our neighbor. And that might look different for each of us, but that's what we're about. It seems like quite a simple message, but it's actually, that's what Christians, what we're called to do, right? We love someone. We want to share God's love with them. Sometimes it can be really hard to love someone, but the great thing is, is that um, God sent his helper. So we've literally got a helper to help us love people. That's the Holy Spirit. So if you're struggling, you can pray, God, I'm really struggling to love this person. I'm really struggling not to get annoyed at that car in front of me. Um, But if we pray to the helper, he can come and help us do that. Um, So yeah, the passage, it finishes. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So essentially, to love your neighbor and to love God. Yeah, and I just I love that James has given us a really practical way to apply this. So if you're struggling, you don't know, be like, ah. Oh, Actually, I'm going to be slow to speak, which we all have to work on, really. If we look at this whole passage, I'm sure there's something in it that some of us have to work on. There may be some perfect among you. James does talk about you guys. Good job. (laughs) But for the rest of us, how how awesome that we've got some guidance and we've got the helper to help us. And that was my little insight into this passage. So thank you, guys. Oh, no. That was a gem. All right. Next up, we've got Chris Galloway. Come on up. Yeah, give him a welcome. Daryl, if you've got, like, like to just turn his shirt down a little bit. And um, Chris is always, like, uh, doing that to me. So I thought, like, oh, I can get him back. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've got a question for you. How many thousand weeks do you think God gives us to live our lives? How many thousand weeks? Anyone got an idea? Uh, You look like you're thinking carefully about it. Three, four, five, six, seven? Less than one? Any advance on less than one? How many thousand weeks? Well, I'll tell you what, the answer is around four. 
And if you live to 80, it's about 4,300. That's not a whole lot of time. It's not a whole lot of time to live our lives. It's not a whole lot of time to grow in knowing and serving the Lord. And I think that's one reason why James concentrates on talking about, to use the title of our series, Authentic Living. We've got to make the most of our time. Now, why is he going on in the passage that we have today about doing the word and what does that mean? The headline uses that doing is how truth is embedded in our lives. But as they say on the promos on TV, wait, there's more. James, I think, wants to puncture some off-target, unhelpful assumptions that we may have. And right at the beginning of chapter 1, he wants to disabuse us of the idea that trials are something that we should reject in any way that we can. If you heard the saying, God fixes a fix to fix you, and if you try to fix the fix he gives you, he's going to have to fix another fix to fix you. Got all that? It's worth thinking about. And then James wants to shoot down the idea that effectively in the midst of our trials we're on our own when it comes to working things through. And that's why he says, God isn't stingy or mean in handing out wisdom. But he says we need to ask for it confidently. He reminds us that in verse 16, God gives good gifts. He's not someone who takes delight in our hurt. And then he gets on to hearing and doing something he also picks up in chapter 2, when he's talking about faith and works, essentially, what he's saying is this. Faith is not just a matter of thinking that something is true. It's rather a matter of showing that your life is being built on that truth. So let's dive just a little bit deeper. What does he mean by saying that if we just listen to the word and don't match that with deeds... We're deceiving ourselves. That's kind of serious. Now, self-deception is a thing in the field of psychology, and there are different ideas about why we do it. That's the looking in the mirror bit that uh, Belinda mentioned too. We tend to over-evaluate our good qualities. Have you gone to the mirror in the morning and said, boy, I look great today? Maybe you haven't, but I hope the therapy is going well. We tend to underappreciate our weaknesses. There's lots of research evidence that supports the idea that we humans are actually not very good at interpreting data and making decisions. In fact, we're a lot less rational and logical than we think that we are. I've sometimes said to people, if I told you that the last thing that you said to me was not logical, not rational, would I be paying you a compliment? And they look slightly stunned and then say, ah, I guess not. The reality is that we have many biases, things that distort our thinking. In fact, yesterday I looked this up and found that there's no fewer than 188 identified warped ways of thinking. And they don't just bend our thinking out of shape, but they also help form our actions. One of those warped ways of thinking is what's called confirmation bias. Any of you heard of confirmation bias? Happens when we consciously or subconsciously look for information that only confirms our pre-existing ideas. (coughs) 
You got a favourite candidate for the next poll or election? Maybe you just want to look for stuff that confirms how wonderful that person is and kind of push aside stuff that maybe says that that person isn't quite that wonderful. <clears throat> so, psychologically speaking, confirmation bias takes place when we allow our desires to influence our beliefs. So when we want a certain opinion or idea to be true, we end up believing it is true. And that's what James is getting at. He says, we deceive ourselves when we think that just exposure to truth equates to influence. And goodness me, it doesn't. Um, he talks about being blessed in our doing. What he means is that blessing follows doing something with the truth that we see in here. In other words, engaging with it and living it out. Quite a while ago, I read a classic book called How to Read a Book. Um, you may think, why read that? But it's, it's kind of a useful book. Its message is that to get the juice out of a book, you engage with it by asking questions, by evaluating with your mind what you read. And that's doing something. James also says that if you respond to the word in this way, it'll stop you forgetting it. In other words, doing the truth is what plugs, doing the word rather, is what plugs truth into our lives, not just thinking about it. There is an idea about forgetting information that we have in short-term memory, and it's called decay. And the decay happens that's being less and less able to recall the information, when we don't rehearse or go over it, when we don't spend time thinking about it. And James is saying this, if we don't do that, if we don't engage, we run the risk of our, let's, let's admit it, data-deluged minds pushing what we think about the word that we hear to and often off the edge of our brain space. This is pretty important because James talks about, in the earlier part of the passage that we started talking about with Belinda just a few minutes ago, receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. So what he's really getting at here is that our salvation, the process of our becoming more and more like our Lord, depends on our kind of eating the word, not just on giving it a mental okay. If we think that just giving the truth that we hear a mental assent is all there is to faith, we're so misled, as James says, we deceive ourselves. But the great thing is that if we show we've absorbed the word, not only into our heads, but also into the way we live, friends, we are greatly blessed. Bless you this morning. More gems. It's actually a very, very challenging uh, piece of scripture for those exact reasons that we've just heard. That uh, and why James is inviting us. It's like you can't just read this and nod your head and not let it change how you live. You just can't. All right. I'm just going to touch on a couple of things as well.
uh, anger. We got that first um, the first slide up. I think it's um, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Uh, I've got a buddy, and we both decided that like we're not cool enough to have Harleys. So we bought like these really grunty electric scooters. <laughs> and um, like it's a lot less cool than a Harley. Eh? Um, but these things, um, these are like a serious electric scooters. They go up to, I think I've got mine up to 55 k's an hour. So you don't want to fall off at that speed. Eh? And they've got a range of about 40 to 45 k's. Got shock absorbers, but they don't look cool. But uh, that's all right. We we have a lot of fun. But one one time we decided we were kind of cruising around. We uh, we have our little little bloke little cruising times, and um, there was this uh, gated community that was uh, in this, you know beautiful new subdivision um, out by a beach. And um, but you know why it's gated, eh? Keep people like me and my mate out, <laughs> and uh, and uh, but we pulled up, and these you know the car just came at a similar time, and we just like rolled on through, and we're having a great time, you know, hardly any cars, just roaring around this place, beautiful views, and um, and we're just about to leave, and this guy who was one of the owners of the property there, uh, he came, um, he had this little uh, little buggy thing, and he was on, and he came charging after us, and just like. And we just like pulled over. So I wonder what he wants. And he was, I just haven't met anyone so angry in such a long time. And um, like I'm 56 years old. I don't get told off that often. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy just, but it just gave me this dressing down. And then he took off and did the same to my mate. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, both of us were, were talking about it afterwards. It actually felt... Um, like a spiritual thing about it. Both of us were really, really affected by it for like the rest of that day. And even the next day, we were both talking to him like, like, you know, how about that thing? And it's just like, it's really affected us. It was like, you know, this, this anger thing. And, um, you know, anger is so interesting. Um, and on Sundays, I don't, at church, I don't see angry people. But I don't know what's, what your homes are like. I don't know what you're like when you're, when you're at home. I don't know what you're like when Toyota's cut in front of you. <laughs> uh, you know, road rage, you sort of think like it's amazing how people can get so angry about some small thing. But it's, it is a life of anger that is just bubbling in people. So... And it's just will take a thing, and it, it'll just be like a volcano that just it just erupts. It's just, you know, that's what that is. Anger. I'm going to tell you something that, like, is very simple but very profound. That if you can grab a hold of this, it will be so helpful for you in your, um, in your journey of working out anger in your own life. Because there is only one reason that any of us get angry. 
there's only one reason that any of us get angry. It's because you don't get what you want. Because you don't get what you want. And you go like, ooh, so what? what? But what about, you, you, you're saying it's about me? What about what they, it's because you don't get what you want. Now, you might have heard the phrase of righteous anger. Like, there are times when it's actually, it is absolutely appropriate to get angry. If someone's bullying your kids, you, 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 want, you get angry because you don't want, you, you want your kids to have their best life. And that's hard. But you're, you're not getting, you get angry because you're not getting what you want. You want your kids not to be bullied. So that's an, that's an okay, it's okay to be angry for things like that. There are things that it's okay to be angry about. But you got to, anytime you get angry, it's because you're not getting what you want. So when you feel that anger, instead of like pointing and going, you're making me angry, which is what often is the first question, you know, that, you know, that's making me angry, that's making me angry, you're making me angry. If we can stop and ask ourselves this question, what is it that I want that I'm not getting, is such a helpful place to stop and to, and to before you move forward, answer that question. What is it that I'm not getting? It's so interesting. Like James is lumping. Just go on to the next slide. Um, this is what James is lumping anger into this category of moral filth and evil. We don't want anger, the unrighteous anger, the, the, the wrong kind of anger. We don't want that in our lives. We, wanna, we want to be rid of that. So I would love this to be something that you would grab a hold of. And if you find that, you know, you either get a little bit angry often or even like big angry from time to time, is to start bringing this habit into the way that you, you live of just stopping and saying, like, what is it, that I'm, is it that I want that I'm not getting? And then you may end up just taking a step back and going like, oh, this is not about that person and what they're doing. This is about my selfishness, and that's actually something I need to work on. I need to, I need to do, do things different. Does that make sense? Another thing I want to just say uh, and add, I guess pull out of, uh, of the scripture here. Verse 21 up there, it talks about Humbly accept the word planted in you. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Now, our Bible is the word of God. Our scriptures are the word of God. What a gift. What a gift to us. Holy words given to us from God. And James is saying, don't get an attitude about it. Don't get an attitude about it. You know, there are times we might read the Bible, we might even be reading some of this today. And we say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. 
It's kind of like when you're at a, at a restaurant and uh, you can get a restaurant sometimes and it's like a smorgasbord, you know, like a buffet. It's like you just pay and then you just eat as much as you like, which is like when you're young, that's just the best kind of restaurant ever, like especially for guys. Girls want to eat lots, but they just feel like it's just not very ladylike, but <laughs> maybe, but uh, the thing is that when you go to a smorgasbord restaurant, you go up for the first round and there's all these different things and you just get a little bit of everything, don't you? And you, ah, oh, this is just so good. And then you, you eat all that and then you go, I've got to get my money's worth. <laughs> so you go back up for the second round, but the second round, like, you know what's good. You're just going like, right, I'm not going to muck around with these vegetables. <laughs> You get the king prawns and you get what are the, you know, the eye fillet steaks and uh, all the good stuff. I mean, we've got to be good stewards of God's money, you know. We go to smallest board, you've got to, you've got to get, your, get your money's worth. Anything wrapped in bacon, definitely get that. I think for many Christians, it's like when they come to the Bible, it's like the second round of the smorgasbord where they just take the tastiest things and, uh, and anything else they just like, no, no. So maybe, you know, maybe money, oh, the scriptures say like it's good to give and it's, you know, it's good to cultivate a generous heart. Oh, but I don't like that one. You know, around forgiveness, just this incredible invitation is like forgiveness will lead to freedom in life and you go, oh yeah, but like you don't know what this person did to me. I don't like that one either. And James is saying you need to accept the word. You know what he's saying? He's saying that God is right and you are wrong. Tim Keller is uh, was a great pastor and uh, had a great church in New York. Um, he said this, he said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshipping an idealized version of yourself. <laughs> How'd that one feel? If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshipping an idealized version of yourself. James is saying, you need to make a humble decision and accept what God is saying. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says this, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. You know, the mark of a God-changed heart is one that says, I like God telling me how to live. Now, the mark of a God-changed heart is one that says, I like God telling me how to live. Here's a question for you. Do you want a blessed life? Do you want a blessed life? It's one of those very, you don't hear the word blessed too often out, out in the uh, outside of church, uh, unless you sneeze. Like, but you, but I looked up blessing. There's all sorts of definitions of it, but this is blessing. God's favor and protection. 
a special favor, mercy, or benefit. The f- a favor or gift bestowed by God, therefore bringing happiness. The invoking of God's favor upon a person. Who wants a blessed life? Like, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into that. And listen to what James says. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, you know, this is our scriptures, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, but not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How do we, from this part of scripture here, what's he saying that will bring blessing to us? Doing it. We do it. We actually got to do something. We need to build our lives on the word of God, submit to it, do what it says. You know, there's a real assault on the Bible in our culture. You you probably see it in so many different places where, you know, the Bible is being um, just talked about as irrelevant in so many circles of our, uh, of it in our world. And even in the church, you know, people aren't reading it. They don't think it's worth reading. And, you know, we read in the Bible the first words that were out of Satan's mouth. You know, the enemy of God and God's people. The first words out of his mouth is, did God really say? Throwing doubt and confusion into God's people around God's plans and purposes for their life. So people, we need to be reading the word, but not just reading it. We need to be doing what it says. If, you know, and, and blessing flows. Blessing will flow. I would love us to be a church where our stories that we share amongst each other are of the blessing of God that flows out of us being people that hear the word and do what it says. So could I encourage you as we go through the series of James to read to read the book of James. It is a book that is full of wisdom of God's way of doing life well. God's way of living a righteous life, a life that will let the blessings of God flow into us. Well, thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.